God, I thank you for being a God who you know who we are. You know our thoughts. You see our pain. God, I'm so glad that you hear us when we call. I'm so glad that we've got a God whose line is never busy. And even when we've messed up, even when we stand before you completely unworthy, when we call, you answer. God, many of us have been guilty of checking the call ID and just hitting ignore or not answering or neglecting the call because we see who it is. But God, I'm so glad tonight that when you see who it is, you still answer. God, I thank you for answering my call. Thank you for being there. For being a very present help in our time of need. For that tonight, God, we thank you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Well, how's everybody doing tonight? Good, good. Tonight we continue in this series, uh, our maker's instructions, uh, the Ten Commandments. We've been walking through uh, Commandments 1, and tonight we run right into Commandment 6. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5 is where you can find us tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Verse 17 is our commandment. We're going to begin at the beginning and then jump to verse 17. Deuteronomy chapter 5. And it reads, And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the status, the statues, and the rules that I speak in your hearing today. And you shall learn them and be careful to do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us. Not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, while I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up into the mountain, he said. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and out of the house of slavery. Then he goes on and begins to give these commandments, these instructions for life. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved images or likeness of anything that is in heaven above. And let's go on to our commandment for today. Verse 17, you shall not murder. You shall not murder. Now, as we've gone through these commandments, we've been at this for a few months now. We take a break and we've come back. And um, it's amazing to me how everyone, uh, just when I think, ah, this one doesn't apply to me. This one is not a big deal. No carved out images. I ain't got no carved out images. I'm straight, you know. Or uh, uh, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. It's, it's, I, that's just cussing. I'm, I'm not worried about that. I'm good, you know. But what we've learned that it's not 
just about cussing or it wasn't just about the carved out images or it wasn't just about having a God before them. A lot of times that we can see in this picture of us bowing down to some other form of God. But it's it's really always more than that. And as we scratch the surface and as we begin to dig into them, we realize that it's much more than what simply meets the eye, how these commandments truly apply to our lives in every single way that we live, how these commandments truly come alive in our lives. But I must admit, tonight I was like, this one's going to be easy. Thou shalt not murder. I ain't kill nobody. This is going to be good, you know? So for, just in case there's a couple of criminals in the house, you know, a couple of dope dealers, a couple of gangbangers, this message is for them. You know what I mean? Those that think about killing people on a regular, you know? But for, for me, this is going to be easy. God, no conviction here. I can just spit this one out. Don't kill people. Amen. Jeremy, take us home, you know? You know? Thou shalt not murder, right? But, as always, there's more to this one than what simply meets the eye. Tonight, I want to challenge your heart as we break open the Word of God and as we break open the Scripture. I pray that the Spirit will break open your heart. That you will begin to see yourself in these Scriptures and begin to tune your ear to the voice of the Lord and hear what He has to say to you concerning human life. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not take life. I pray today that we would leave this place tonight with with this resounding thought and this impression in our head that people matter. People matter. I pray that when we leave this place tonight that we can look each other in the eyes and see value, see worth, see significance, and that we would begin to consider how is it that God would have us respond to the people that we see. First thing that, that this, this, this commandment, the first thing that it does, it changes how we view human life. It changes how we view human life. Secondly, it, it should change how we see ourselves. And thirdly, it should change how we serve one another. Uh, uh, first, it should change how we view human life. Now, I, I want to do a little exercise tonight. This, is, this will be extreme. But in a few moments, I'm going to uh, begin to cue... Uh, back there in the back, and I'm going to put pictures up, and I just want you to think about your response and your reaction to these pictures when I put up, and how you see the people that I'm going about to put on the screen, all right? First one up is, uh, is a guy, many of you uh, should be pretty familiar, it's Hitler. What comes to mind when you see this guy? Well, the next guy may not be that familiar to some, but to those of you that have traveled in Cambodia, uh, this guy may be familiar. His name is Pol Pot. Uh, this guy was responsible. He led the communist movement in Cambodia, responsible for uh, well over a million deaths because of his regime. Uh, his next face, be familiar, George W. Bush, president of these great United States, uh, Republican. His next face, uh, desiring the nomination for the Democratic Party, Miss Hillary Clinton. Uh, Democrat. Finally, this guy, Jerry Falwell, preacher, leader, great academic institution he heads up, also known for his conservative political views. Now, I got a little diversity in there because I wanted to mix it up and I didn't want to paint the room with a, with a real broad stroke, but I know that 
quite a few of these people probably invoke a response that isn't negative. As a matter of fact, if, if I was to look through your lenses, if, you could see, if I could see through your eyes tonight, they would probably look a little bit like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. See how those horns come out? Because I mean, let's be honest. When we look at these people, we don't think these are the people. Well, some of them. So, and so some of them are extreme, so I can't pay. The first two are easy. They're responsible for millions of people dying. We can all agree that, hey, these people aren't the most popular in the room, all right? We can, we can easily agree that, that Pol Pot and Hitler, these are guys that, 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 that really, de- really deserve the horns, all right? But I wanted to come a little closer to your neighborhood, and I wanted to make it a little bit more sticky. So I got my man George W. up there. You got to love that grin, too. Isn't he the cutest thing? You got to love that, right? There are those, especially as the politics are kicking up. And as this race is heating up, there are those that when we talk about this guy, the rage is hard to contain. The anger, the frustration. And you get, you get to talking about George W. in some of these circles, and you begin to criti- criticize that. There'll be some people that'll get so angry and so frustrated where they can't even continue to talk. They, they cut short the dialogue. They, they don't even want to talk to you. They don't even see how you can be a good God-fearing Christian and not love George W. Bush. And then there are my brothers and sisters that say, uh, when I see Hillary, oh, man, I'm ready to fight. I will, I will roll over and do something crazy before I vote for her or before she becomes a president. I will run the streets naked with a sign. <laughs> well, maybe not that much, but, you, you know, you'll you do something crazy, right? Because like, this is the last person that I want. Everything that she stands for. I, I, was, I was on a trip with, with some students, and, I, and, and, and somebody said, that she's just evil. She, she's just evil. I hate her. These are Christians. Y'all don't believe me? Just bring it up at lunch sometimes. These the people are passionate about these people that we have on this screen. That's people are like, oh, I hate her. She's terrible. And then my man, Pastor Jerry, God rest his soul, uh, known for his outspoken and stern views on morality. Uh, no, no secret that um, he probably didn't have a ministry that reached out to homosexuals at his church. Um, although I'm not sure. I hadn't done any research, so I can't really say that. But his reputation is that uh, very, very dogmatic and very, very negative connotations towards, towards homosexuality or just moral impurities. Anything, anything that people, this, uh, when it ever came to lifestyle and morality and all that stuff, he would drop the hammer man. He would drop it hard and did it in a way that was so strong to where you knew that I don't like you, and God probably ain't that fond of you either. You know what I mean? That's the way a lot of times Jerry came off, where people interpreted what, what he had to say. Just had that negative connotation. So there'll be people that'll see him and say, ugh, that's the last person I want to see. And the question that I want to ask us tonight is, we have these people up there, which one of them uh, have, don't, which one of them don't deserve the love of God? Which one, which one, God, God, they, they, don't, they don't deserve it. They, they don't deserve it. If we, if we did a ratio or if we did a little statistics, which one of them don't deserve it? Or how hard is it for, for us to see them with, with the love of God? How hard is this to see it? Let, let, let's help them out. Let's take away the horns. Let's take away the horns and let's add, let's, let's add some halos up there. Yeah, 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 yeah. How, how, how hard is this for us to compute? 
I mean, look at Adolf. That's what, that's, you, you've never seen Hitler like this before, right? Come to warehouse, baby. You never know what you're going to get, right? <laughs> All right? Some of us, George W., this is how we see him in our dreams at night. <laughs> he is the man, right? Some of us, you know, some of us, when you see him, that's what you see, right? You know? Tonight, I want to challenge us. Because what I want to argue that in the scriptures and what Jesus is pointing us to is that everyone that we see, we should see through the lens of not necessarily a halo insinuating perfection, but a, but a, but a halo in the sense of if they're human, they deserve our respect, they deserve our love, they deserve to be reached out to. Now, in this, there, there is room for us defending ourselves or defending our families and protecting ourselves. So we won't get into a lot of the death penalty and a lot of the other extremes of that. Uh, we will take time to talk about that because it's a subject that we really need to deal with. But I really want to land a little bit closer to us and not go to the extremes. So that's why I've set the playing field a little imbalanced tonight because I want to talk about how is it that we see each other on a day-to-day basis and how we love one another. Because, friends, when we talk about this commandment, number six, this is exactly what he's talking about. In Matthew chapter five, we can take those down now. Some of you can actually hear the message now. (laughs) Matthew chapter five, Jesus, in his words, he speaks on this commandment, thou shalt not murder. He's talking to some of those, those that are committed to the law. And so committed to the law to where they just take it literally and, and they say, as long as I follow this rule, I'm okay. As long as I hadn't killed anyone, uh, I'm, I'm okay. It's kind of like he was talking to an Albert. I ain't killed nobody, so I'm good tonight, right? Jesus it's, uh, elaborates on the issue in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Hear these words. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you. That everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Verse 23, listen to this. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and and, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to be uh, to be to be to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Jesus is saying, he says, I know you've heard this, this, those, those, you you shall not murder. I know you've heard that one. But let me, let me, let me explain it. Let me deal with the implications thereof. This isn't about you just taking a life. It's about you not honoring life. And it's about how we view and how we see life. How we see one another. I think it's so befitting tonight that we're talking about uh, the Central Park Hub and how they literally go and they go and see and love on human life. 
We just got back from a, from a missions trip where we were in the uh, city of San Francisco in the Tenderloin District, which is probably one of the worst areas of San Francisco where homelessness is, is just huge, huge. People literally sleeping uh, in the middle of the street. I mean, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. And what hit me is that these are people. Say, well, Albert, that's a duh. No, but really, think about it. These are people. These are people that we pass by every day. These are people that a lot of times we don't even take time to look and give eye-to-eye contact. We just keep moving, keep living, keep doing our thing. But I stopped to pause and I realized last week that these are living, breathing people. So we would sit out. I love YWAM there in San Francisco because we do these, we have these ministry opportunities where we would pack a lunch. We would sit down and, and as opposed to just dropping off a meal, like I'm sure you guys do in, in Central Park, you take time and you build relationship and you engage and you talk one-on-one. And as we would sit down and talk with people who normally we would have just passed by, as we sit down and engage people who normally we wouldn't have given the time of day. Because I'm telling you, I, I think I've probably talked about this trip before, but when I, when I get out of the vans, when we pull up, literally you see crack deals going on on the corner. Literally. I saw more crack last week than I did when I went to Scott's house that time. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, he had this missions thing. I don't know why I was there. You know, I was just like, you know, no. <laughs> Fundraising. <laughs> I'm sure that's not, that's not supposed to be funny, I don't think. But uh, anyway, all right. But I'm, I'm saying you literally see, you see crack deals going down. You see people who don't look like they're mentally all there. You see people who are literally, when it's time to go tonight, they literally walk, lay down on the concrete and they sleep and wake up. You, I mean, you literally see the worst of the worst. And I was scared and crazy. And these are not, these, if I had my choice of friends, I wouldn't pick these guys. But here we are and we're walking and we're talking and we're engaging. And it just hits me. It hits me. It says, Albert, these are people. These are people. This lady that you're talking to, who's 50 years old, who's living out here on the street, had a mother. I'm sure some of their family members threw her mother a baby shower before she was born. This girl, I'm sure, got excited on prom night and put on a prom dress and went to the prom. This is a woman who has a story. This is a human life. How dare you just pass by and treat her as if she doesn't exist. Or, or treat her as if she, she, she's not there or ignore her or ignore her need. Especially if I have something that can help her in my hand. How dare, how dare I withhold that because I don't deem her worthy. She's not significant enough to warrant my conversation. As a matter of fact, she's so insignificant that I would rather go around than even talk to her. There were some nights when we walk up the street and I see these big game of people, these gang, and whether it was out of fear, out of discomfort, I'm not trying to justify any of my terrible actions. They are terrible. There were times when I wouldn't even want to go down that street because it looked as if, whoa, that is not a place where I would want to be. As if they wanted to be there. A whole new perspective. And this is the idea that Jesus is pushing us to. And it's, it's so important to him. But sometimes it seems as if as a culture and as a people, this is the last thing on our priority list. It says if you're angry, if you got issues with your brother. I love Matthew 25. I love Matthew 25. It says this. 
If there's anything that, that shakes me up, it's these words in Matthew 25. Jesus' words, words in red, Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he's talking about the coming of the, of the king, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Well, it's time for judgment here. Verse 32. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separating, as a shepherd separates his sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on his right hand, uh, but the goat on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come. You who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why? For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one. Of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked. And you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. There will come a day when we will have to give an account to God for what we did with the life that he gave us. And literally, according to Matthew chapter 25, not making this up, I'm not embellishing, I'm not trying to fit some doctrinal position that I have. What I see here in the scripture Is that he's going to ask us what we did with our life and how we served other life. The the reason why this shakes me up is because this is sometimes this is the last thing that we think about. This is like the extra stuff. I mean, we do all the big stuff, but to me, this is like the extra. This is like, you know, a homeless, yeah, 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 people less fortunate, we give away clothes, you know, and it's like some afterthought. But it's interesting, this is the first thing he mentions. He doesn't, he doesn't bring up first, uh, first thing is how many, how many Sundays did you, did you show up at warehouse? How many, three out of them? Oh, okay, that's good. Now, did you know when the songs went, started playing, did you actually worship? Did you sing? Or were you text messaging? You know what I mean? Did you, did you, show, now did you give money? How much did you give? Alright? Okay, that's pretty good. Now, did you, did you date somebody in warehouse or outside of warehouse? You know, I don't know, you know, just. But it's like the things that are so important to us, the things that are big and visible to us, we just kind of jump on it. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, that's easy. When we think church, when we think Christ, we think about the gathering. And all this is great. And let me tell you something. I need you here every Sunday. I don't want to show up and nobody's here. So I'm pushing attendance. I'm all for it. All right. You know, pro Jesus, show up for church, you know. But he says, what did you do to the least of these? As you, as you came in on the 210 and as you passed by the people on the street, what did you do for them? 
But let me give you some perspective here. I'm, I'm not saying that everybody, uh, we walk around and we start passing out money. There's some homeless ministries that say that's not even a good idea to necessarily give money. Instead of giving money, you can give food. I'm, I'm, I'm not coming up with solutions on how to fix it. I just want us to be able to see the value in each other. And see that in Genesis 1, 27, God says he created humanity in his image. That when I see my brother and when I see my sister, I'm seeing God's image and that's worth something. That holds value. And that should show up in how I see you and how I respond to you. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? Secondly, second thing, it, it should change how we see how we see ourselves. It should change how we see ourselves. It's real easy for us. I, I just go back to the San Francisco trip because I just got back. It's real easy for me to look at the people living on the street and think of myself as being better than them. Come on, don't don't leave me by myself. It's real easy to do that. I mean, even in a room like this, it's real easy to walk to look around and see and to size people up. And just say, you know, hmm, I probably make more than him. I'm married better than him. Wow, he got that. I need to do better. You, you, you ever, I, I know I'm not the only one, so you can sit there and look straight and all like you don't do it if you want to. I know you do it. Um, you, you, you ever, like young married couples, you ever talk to a young married couple and, and you're renting and they're in a the house and you still got your old college car and they got a brand new car? And, and so then you're like, so what do you work? What do you do? And does your wife work? No, she doesn't work. Man. And what you're thinking is, how'd you get all that? And how can I get that? And what makes you better than me? And what makes, what did I do wrong? And what did you do so right that put you in that position and put me in this position? Am I the only person that ever thinks like that? Am I, has, am I the only person that's happened to me? Because y'all just looking at me like I'm funny and that ain't going to go down too much longer. All right. Or, 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 or ladies, I mean, when you see somebody walk in and they may have on a little some shoes and some jeans or a purse and, you know, y'all just rolling your eyes. That's all right. I ain't even going to go there. That's all right. I know what goes down. That's all right. I grew up in a house full of women. I know how it goes. But, but we can get this thing where we can just size each other up. I mean, even in ministry, even pastors. Hey, you a pastor? Yeah, I'm a pastor too. So um, how many members you got? Oh, come on, it happens all the time. Well, how many, how many members you got? I got, you know, such and such. Well, how many members you got? Well, I got such. I'm at Fuller, and people would be like, so what church you go to? And I was like, here we go. I go to Lake Avenue. Oh, the big church that everybody can talk about in class, because it's right there in front of everybody. You know, it's like we become the guinea pig of every conversation. Well, that church right there is doing it, you know. So it's like, yeah, I go to Lake, you know, how many members y'all got? Well, you know, a few, you know. So, so it's like sizing each other up. And then somebody from Rock Harbor is like, well, we got like 50 million members. And like 50 million passes. We got a pastor for each member, you know. And it's like, oh, man, dang. You know, back to class, you know. So it's like, it's like we size people up. And it's a part of, it's almost a part of the way we think, the way we are. Are y'all agreeing with me? Do y'all, is anybody, whatever your, whatever your way, it may be car, it may be you got a wee with the, with the extra discord, you know, whatever, however you get down, you know, but it's like, it's like we got these things that we size each other up with. And it scares me. It scares me. Because I think we all suffer from something that, that I like to call the blind spot. 
The blind spot. The blind spot. I probably tell you this story. One, one time I was driving and dad was teaching me how to drive and I was chain, changing lanes and I changed lanes too quick. And I went over and I heard this car blow. I was like, whoa, dad, where did that car come from? I checked all my mirrors. He said, well, son, when you're driving, you have what we call a blind spot. It's an area that you can't necessarily see. And sometimes I think we judge people and we look at other people and we size people up and we're ignorant of our own blind spots. We're ignorant of the areas that we necessarily can't see or the areas that we just refuse to see. What are you getting at, Albert? Here, let me, let me use David as an example. David, King David, uh, one of the greatest kings that, that ever lived. Well, David had a little problem. He was out stretching one day and uh, his homegirl across the street named Bathsheba. Uh, and Bathsheba don't sound like she would be fine. Uh, I'm sorry if your name is Bathsheba in the house. I'm just, you know, I can't even fix that. I'm just sorry, you know. <laughs> you just may not come back to this church, you know. I just, Bathsheba just ain't the prettiest, you know what I mean? Ain't the prettiest name. But obviously Bathsheba was fine. Because David, David looked and she was, Bathsheba was bathing naked. And David got one look and he looked again. And David was like, I got to have her. You know, fellas, have you ever seen a woman where you like, I got to have? Hopefully that was your wife. So if you say, say yeah, it was her right here, you know. <laughs> I was trying to hook you up, trying to give you this point. It's like, yeah, that was, that was the true, baby. I was like, yeah. You know? you know, I'm trying to hit all the spots. I want you to have a good night. You know, I'm trying to hit all the spots. I mean, married people, you know, come on, sure. All right, so, so David splish splash. She was taking a bath. You know, she was checking her out. And David was like, I got to have her. Well, Bathsheba was married. Bathsheba's husband was out war. David slept with the woman. You want to talk about foolish. If, this, if, if you ever wondered if God could use an idiot, this is going to be your proof. If Albert wasn't proofing us, David is going to seal the deal. David sleeps with her, gets her pregnant, finds out she's pregnant, and is like, oh, man, here I am. He out there fighting a war for me, and I got his wife pregnant. Well, I'm going to call him home. Calls him home and... I mean, I don't know what Dave was thinking. He was like, yo, I don't know if he gave him like some champagne glasses and some, a Brian McKnight CD and was like, go home, you know, just hook it up a little Luther, you know, just, you know, do y'all even know who Luther is? Come on. Do y'all know who Luther is? All right. I'm about to say, cause next week we will change the sermon series to Luther 101. All right. You can't be married and not know who Luther is anyway. All right. So God help us. All right. So. So David brings him home and gives him some Luther, and he's like, you know what, Uriah, that was that was that was her, Bathsheba's husband. She's like, I'm not even, I can't go in and sleep with her, knowing that I've got men out there fighting. So Uriah sleeps on the front porch. You want to talk about some loyalty? That's some loyalty. It's like I'm not gonna go. I'm not even gonna sleep with my wife. So knowing that this woman would end up being pregnant in nine months, the story will begin to come out. David sends Uriah back and puts him on the front line and ends up killing him. So it goes from lust to, to adultery to murder. And David's just chilling. David's just kicking it. Listen to, to, listen to David uh, as, as he gets his reality check from his friend Nathan. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. I want you to listen to these words. David, after all of this has been done, then Nathan comes to him uh, and says this. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he bought it up 
uh, he brought it up and it grew up and, and with him and his, and with his children. It, uh, it used to eat of, of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. This was his man's one little lamb and he took care of it and had everything he had. And it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man. Uh, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guests who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Verse 7, Nathan said to David, you are the man. Friends, what I'm trying to say is if we were to look at our life and count up all the things that we've ever done, we would have taken a mirror and put it in front of us. And if it would expose all of the dirt, all of the sin that we've ever committed, we, like the man in the story, would deserve to die. God is saying, love other people through that perspective of your own brokenness. Did you get that? Love other people through your real reality. And your real reality is if it had not been for the grace of God, there go I. If it had not been for the grace of God, I could be easily one of those people who are on the screen, for better or for worse, the negative, the negative impressions that we put on those people, that could have easily been me. Spitzer, this governor that I talked about, that, that has had this $4,000 prostitute that he was in his relationship with, could have easily been Albert Tate, could have easily been Jeremy Rose, if it had not been for the grace of God. Friends, it's time for us to be reminded of a little word called humility. And that I walk the streets of, of San Francisco, I realize a couple of paychecks, a couple of, a couple of bad economic decisions, and I could be right here on the streets. I'm not better than any man. But we see eye to eye, and we love heart to heart. The same God that you pray to is the same God I pray to. And if it had been for the mercy of God on my life, I would be dead right now. Does that make sense? It's so important that we understand that we've got to see ourselves. We want to talk about seeing other people's friends. We've got to see ourselves. Come here. Come here, Tom. I used to play a game. Y'all remember this game? It's called Mercy. Anybody ever played Mercy before? Y'all remember this game? Mercy, Mercy was a game where the goal was to overpower the person that you were playing. Let me see. How can I do this where everybody can see? I, we just got to turn in a circle. All right. No. <laughs> and, and the goal was, have you played Mercy before? No. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> All right. Mercy, the, the goal of the game was to overpower the person. So as your fingers are overlaced like, like mine and Tom's are, the goal was to bend it over. So you already resistant. Just, just play. Make me look strong, Tom. All right? And then I, my, the goal was to bend back hands. All right? And whoever was the strongest would begin to bend back hands. So as Tom begins to overpower me and bend my hands back, the only way that I can stop Tom from breaking my fingers, the only way I can lose the game and Tom can win is if I say mercy. I literally have to plead and say mercy. In other words, Tom, you about to break my fingers. You stronger, I quit. We should have been playing we mercy. You know what I'm saying? All right? 
So as he bends back and we cry mercy. The picture that I want us to see is that if it had not been for God coming in and offering us mercy, the weight and the sin of the world would have destroyed us a long time ago. But at some point in our lives, we realize, those of us who are believers of Jesus Christ, realize that we need to be rescued and we can't live this life on our own. And we cried mercy. Father God, save us. And that's the only thing that separates me from being on the streets. That's the only thing that separates me from, from any man or anybody else that I can see is the mercy of God. Somebody say mercy. Somebody say mercy. Well, finally, friends, this is what we do with this. As we learn to love humanity, as we learn to see our own depravity, and if it had not been for the grace and the mercy of God, there go I. Now, God, how would you have us to respond? How would you have us to respond? Well, Jesus is clear. Through Genesis to Revelation, he says over and over, love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt not murder. In Matthew, when it says, if you've heard this, uh, if, if, you, if you're angry with your brother, or it says, uh, if, if you, you will be liable to judgment, uh, verse 3, verse 2 and verse 3, uh, over insults. The word there is raka. And that word uh, literally translates, uh, if you see someone and say, say, you're insignificant. You're nothing. You don't matter. You're, you, you, you are meaningless. You, you, are, you, are, you are insignificant. You absolutely don't matter. God is saying, see people. See that they matter. And love them through your brokenness. Not love them through your arrogance. Not love them like you're better than anybody else. So, so my man, Philip, I, I appreciate it so much having you here. You living, living there in the park and coming here and saying on the other side of that. I really value and appreciate you sharing your story and you being transparent and putting that out there. Because we need to learn that these are people who deserve to be loved. Not only that, but as I close. It's not just people on the streets. But I love it. In Matthew 5 and 21, he says, if you've got a problem with your brother, if you're angry with your brother, if you've got discord with your brother, it's a picture of those going to worship. He says, if you're going to worship and if you're at the altar, leave your offering at the altar and go fix it with your brother. So if I got a problem with my man David right here and we're sitting in here worshiping together and I got a problem with him, I got alt with him. He says, before you go up to worship, fix it with you and David. You may say, Albert, it's real easy for me to go and love on homeless people. But I've got brothers that I've got problems with that I struggle with. God says, fix it. God says, fix it. If it means you have to leave the altar and leave worship to go and fix it, fix it. Thou shall not murder. Thou shall not be angry with thy brother. Thou shall not look at our brothers and sisters and say you're insignificant. And you shall not continue in worship with alt against one another. Change how we see each other. Change how we see ourselves. And God, we respond and we fix those things that are broken. We fix the broken relationships. And he says, do it quickly. Do it quickly. Let's pray.
Thou shalt not murder. God, as I read your scriptures, I come away with this passage saying that we should have a value for life. And that if we all held this value for life, life as we know it would be differently. God, help us to love one another. Help us to love and to show significance and honor and respect to the person that we see on the street. And God, help us to show that same love to the person that we've had problems with. Maybe the person that irritates us at the office. It may be that loved one in the family that's hurt us time and time again. God, the implications of this truth go extremely deep. May we wrestle. May we sit with this. This, another commandment, that it may go well with us. Help us to see value in life, God. Even if we don't like what they do, we've got to come to grips with that you blew your breath in their body and you created them in your image. And if you, in some crazy way, can love them, through, your, through the power of your cross, we can find a way to love them too. Tonight, help us love those who are hard to love. Help us to see value in those who people just simply pass by. In my life, there's no one who is humanly insignificant. There is no one unworthy of your love help me God to show the world your love in Jesus name as Jeremy plays softly in a few moments he's going to lead us in some songs but as we sit silently just for a few moments there may be some confessions that you want to make to the Lord there, there may be some situations that you want to lay before the Lord and say God how would you have me respond how do you take this message and apply it to your life? Take some time tonight. Think on these words in the scripture. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt, thou shalt value human life. Think about the lives that need value. Think about the people in your life who need to be valued. And how God would have you show that to them. Thank you.